Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Connected Parenting. Um, really happy that you're here. Today, I want to talk about what do you do when you don't like your kid? Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week. And we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. It happens. Um, You love them. You love them like crazy, but sometimes you don't like them. In fact, a lot of the time you don't like them. If they're a gladiator, if they're difficult, if they're challenging, if they're aggressive, um, it's actually really hard to like your kid. Now we're not supposed to talk about that and parents feel a tremendous amount of shame and guilt um, around having these feelings for their child. I have lots of moms in my office and dads too who just say I I love him but I can't stand him. Sometimes I hate him. I have mothers who say you know that three o'clock in the afternoon when it's time for the kid to come home from school they're like oh god. You know, or it doesn't matter how empathic and kind and loving you feel that you are, when you have a child that is disruptive and who, you know, ruins moments and, um, you know, takes things apart literally and just is angry all the time, your own limbic system will have a really difficult time um, managing that. And so no matter how empathic and kind you are, they're going to come in the room and you're like, oh, great, here he is. And then you're going to feel horrible. And you're going to promise yourself at night, I'm not going to yell in the morning. I'm not going to be angry. I'm going to be calm. I'm going to, I'm going to be understanding. And then it just is impossible the next day. The other thing that's hard about um, not liking your child, and of course you like them a lot of the time. That can be wonderful and funny, but children who are gladiators, children who are just too big in their emotions for their little bodies and they're nasty to their siblings. And that really brings out the, what I call the mama bear, right? When your one child is hurting your other child, it just brings up this anger and this um, fear, really. You literally see your child's life flash before your eyes, both children, the one who's being aggressive. And you think, oh my God, like what kind of child have I raised? Why is he behaving this way? Um, And the other one who has to live with a sibling who's so nasty and so difficult. This is a really difficult problem. I hear this all the time. Um, And what happens is the more the difficult child gets in trouble, which, I mean, what can you do? They're they're being nasty or aggressive to their sibling. You have to do something about it. You can't ignore it. Um, The more that happens, the more that child feels unlovable. And they will actually tell you, you don't love me. You love my sibling better. You don't love me. You love her better. She never gets in trouble. What happens and what's so frustrating is that they seem to miss this piece that when they're being nasty and then the other child retaliates in any kind of way, it's like, um, I call it the feather in the stick. If you had someone who had very, very sensitive skin, like a, a terrible skin disease where if you touched them, it hurt or it felt like it was you were being burned um, and you touch that person with a feather, they're going to scream. These children are so exquisitely sensitive that you touch them with a feather. So you just say, stop that. Or what are you doing? And they're like, ah, they get so mad. It's almost like those, um, those words that wouldn't affect another child so much actually wound these kids. It, it actually feels painful 
for them. So it feels like you're whacking them with a stick, but really you're just tickling them with a feather. And it's so frustrating because I've had so many parents that say to me, I don't know what's wrong with my kid. I don't get it. He just doesn't get it. He's so nasty. He's so mean to his sibling. And the sibling does anything back. They're furious. They're, they're enraged. They're insulted. They're incensed without any sense of how they um, treated their sibling in the first place. This is a very frustrating thing. And it's very, very true with anxious children. Uh, a lot of children that have ADHD, you'll see this over and over again with gifted kids um, and children who are exquisitely sensitive. The best way that I can explain this to you is that they feel uh, see-through. They, they feel like you can see inside them. You can, you can see that they feel ashamed or embarrassed or hurt or scared. Underneath that anger are all those feelings. They, um, they feel invisible. So that when you react in anger, and how can you say that? And that's so nasty to your sibling, and now you're in a timeout or whatever it is you're saying to them. They feel like, how can you do that to me? How can you treat me that way? How can you be so mean to me when I am feeling these other things? Sadness, fear, uh, shame, uh, vulnerability. So it, it ends up being a really difficult problem. And you'll see with these gladiator kids, they'll often do the same thing over and over and over. And you'll think, what is wrong with this kid? I've actually had parents say to me, is my child a sociopath? Like, how does he not understand? How is it okay for him to be so mean? And yet he's so offended and so upset when someone else, particularly a sibling or the parent, um, is angry with them. It's, it's a really difficult one. And over time, you just have to keep working away at it. This goes back to what I was saying in earlier podcasts, that it's really, really important to be as neutral as you possibly can. The more you overreact, the more you get angry, the more you meet them with that frustration, with that um, rage sometimes yourself, you're just teaching them it's not possible. They're literally going to look at you and go, well, pfft, she can't keep herself together. So how am I going to do it? I'm eight. Like they can't do it, right? They, they, they have such a difficult time. So that's why that neutrality is so unbelievably important. Um, and I know that it's hard to do. It's really hard to do. Um, and I want you to know, parents who are listening, that you are not alone, that there are so many parents who literally cry themselves to sleep at night or they're on the bathroom floor crying feeling horrible about um, their relationship with their, child, with their child, worried sick that their child is not a nice person or is going to grow up and be nasty. And this is what I mean when I say to parents, your, your, your child's life will flash before your eyes. You'll think, who's going to love them? How, how are they going to get through this? Who's going to be their friend? How are they ever going to have friends if they treat people this way? And it's so frightening. And so what ends up happening is that we um, respond to our children with panic with, you can't talk to people like that. You, you can't do that. You're not going to have any friends. You know, I hope you don't talk to people like that at school. And then the child's like, well, you never, it's never about me. You never listen to me. And they end up feeling um, completely alone and, um, and not understood. Uh, these children, as difficult as they can be, you need to find a way to get them. You have to show them that you get them, that you see them, and that you hear them. And when you can do that, um, they'll start to calm down a little bit. And then you have to lead by example. You have to find a way to stay calm in that situation so they can see that it's possible. You have to constantly remind your child that it's not this, I, I don't love this behavior at all, but I love you. And I know that underneath that anger is my beautiful, wonderful kid. And I know that you're better than this and you're nicer than this and you're kinder than this and you love animals and you're so good to your grandparents 
that this is not who you are and you have to continuously give them this message. Now, it goes without saying, if you know um, me and you've been following my work, you know that mirroring and connecting and attuning is incredibly important. You've got to start with that connection. You have to start with um, just seeing them and hearing them and getting them. That, that part is critical. Um, and then you have to stay calm enough that you can be their frontal lobe. You have to show them that you can control your big feelings and then they can look at you and go, okay, well, fine, she can do it. The other thing I think that's so important is, and I can't remember if I've said this in other podcasts or not, but it's, it's a really important point. When you've had a day with your child, when it's just been one of those days and you haven't liked yourself as a parent and you haven't liked them as a kid and you just feel horrible about how the whole day went um, and you finally put them to sleep and you come into the room a couple of hours later after they've fallen asleep and they're cuddled up in their bed and they're breathing softly and their skin is nice and warm and you just give them a little kiss and you just want to fall apart because you love them so much and it's so easy in that moment to find that and love for them and it's so difficult in the daytime you have to find a way during the day to close your eyes and imagine them when you're sleeping when they're sleeping um or imagine them at their best um, imagine yourself having a conversation with the best version of them. They're going, mom, this is, this is not who I am normally. You know what I'm like. I'm just scared right now, or I'm just having a hard time. Like literally do whatever you can in your mind to shift your brain's perception of what's happening with your child. Because when you meet them with anger and they're angry, it's basically, you're just fueling the fire. You're just fanning the flames. Um, and as we've talked about in other episodes, they're looking for that adrenaline rush. They're looking for that, um, uh, you know, anger from you or that, that um, pushback from you. And then their brain lights up from the adrenaline, which is a stimulant, lights up the frontal lobe and they're like, oh, okay. Um, or they won't listen or do what you want until you're really, really angry. And that's usually um, when they're like, oh, <laughs> there it is. That's now I have to listen. Um, but some of them won't even do that. And and some of them, when they're really angry, they're they're literally looking at it with these crazy eyes and they're throwing stuff and they, they look possessed. That's the best way to explain it. And it's quite frightening. Um, and the more your child doesn't listen to you in those moments, um, the, the more enraged we get, the more angry we get. Um, and, and listen, if anger worked, it would have worked. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, you know, at best your child is terrified of you. Um, and sometimes you're just hilarious. Sometimes it's just funny to them. And that makes us really crazy. So here's what you have to do. You've got to find a way to think about your child at their best. You have to center yourself and that's where you need to be in your mind. Imagine having a conversation with them at their best. You know, mommy, it's okay. You know that later I'm going to be sorry about this. And this is what happens to me when I get scared. Um, this is what uh, I look like when I'm afraid, when I can't control my big feelings. Um, and if you are responding to your child and you look terrified of them, if you're like, and you're literally thinking, oh my God, like what's going to happen to this kid? He's going to end up in jail. Like, what am I going to do? If that's the look on your face, they're going to look at you, gauge that response and think, oh my gosh, I really am that scary. I really am that big of a mess. I'm scaring my mother. I'm scaring my father. Um, 
I must be really out of control. And I have lots of children in my office that tell me I'm that they get scared of their own behavior. They're literally anxious before going into an event or a birthday party or um, any kind of family gathering because they're not sure whether they're going to get through that uh, without blowing up or having a freak out or having a fit. So they're quite afraid of their own behavior. Um, And so that's why we need to really look like we're not. So let's come back to something else because this happens when you have one child that's really out of control and really quite nasty and you have another child who's pretty good and and that's what usually happens. Children, remember I talk about parents polarizing, kids polarize. So you'll have one that is so good. It's okay, mom. I know you're having trouble. I'll be okay. I'll do it. And the other kids ah, screaming and yelling. Then what happens is the angry kind of gladiator child really feels unloved because the other child gets all of the softness and all of the love because they're being good, because they're actually doing what they should be doing. Um, But remember, the child feels uh, invisible. They feel like you can see through them and you're still favoring the other child. That's where it gets a little complicated. Um, And then you worry about the other child because they are... I mean, they're certainly learning how to manage. They're certainly learning how to regulate. They are learning skills that will help them later in life when they have a sibling that's difficult. They really are. Um, but they're also learning to put their own needs aside and please everybody. And you know what? There's no room for me to have a freak out because my brother just had a two-hour freak out. So I'm just going to not tell anybody about this. I mean, that's really not okay. And we really want to watch that when you have a a really super good child who's really, really kind of over the top trying to please in to compensate for their sibling. um, That's that can be a really big issue. Um, I think communication is really important in those situations that it's really important to say our parenting may look different to both kids, um, but you're you're different kids and you each need different things. And um, we're really working on your brother's behavior and it may not look like it sometimes. Um, but we are, and you have to trust us. Um, we expect you to do these things because we know you can. Uh, your brother or your sister is having trouble with this, so we're, we're going to get them to the point where they can do it, but right now they're still struggling. The other thing that will happen, and you'll find this if you've been uh, using connected parenting, that as you get the um, gladiator child calmed down, as they start to settle down, um, the other child will actually get a little feisty. You'll, you'll see your, your other child starting to misbehave. And I've had so many parents that say to me, oh, that well, you don't know my child. That would never happen. My other child is just so good. Like that won't happen. And it always does. And it's like their, their role is, oh, I'm the good one. So when the other child starts behaving better, they start to lose their role. Well, who am I? If I'm not the good one, who am I? So they will often stretch a little bit and just be like, ooh, what can I get away with? Or they will act out um, in ways that they haven't been able to when you've been so exhausted um, with the other child. Um, And I would say apply all the same connected parenting um, principles, staying neutral, front loading, um, mirroring, all of that. And then you'll get them settled down usually in a couple of weeks. And I think the hardest thing to understand is why the other, um, the difficult child, um, well, it's not really difficult to understand because they know they're in trouble all the time and they know the other one's being good, but they really resent the other one. And that is when they start to really dig at the other sibling, like just to try and get them in trouble or to try to hurt them. And occasionally the sibling, this happens more often than not, the other sibling that's pretty good will find kind of sneaky ways to get back at the other one. You won't actually see it, 
but they'll kind of go in and like get them going a little bit and then the one that's wild will just go off um that's a whole other podcast we'll talk about that and there's also more information in in my book about that um and in the upcoming parenting course if you're interested in that it'll cover all of this stuff um and more um but what happens in those situations is that the difficult child really feels um, unloved. And part of the reason for that is the brain has something called the reticular activation system. And that's um, kind of the neural net. That's the brain, that that's the part of the brain that sort of takes all kinds of data, all kinds of information and uh, tags it. So my mommy doesn't love me. My dad's um, always mad at me. My sister never gets in trouble. That gets tagged. Um, so all the times that they get in trouble, get logged in the brain and all the time that their sis, sorry, all the times that their sibling, um, got in trouble, doesn't, they don't pay any attention to that. Cause they have a little itty bitty drawer for, you know, my sister gets in trouble and a huge big file drawer full of, I'm the only one that gets in trouble. So they actually have, a a distorted, uh, assessment, I guess is the best way to say it of, of what's fair and what's actually happening in the family. So let's do a quick wrap up. First of all, you're not alone. There are so many parents who feel this way about your child and you just have to pick yourself up the next day, take a huge breath and try again. Every day you try to do better than the day before. Um, your job is to see your child and hear your child and get your child. To stay as neutral as you possibly can and to try to connect to those moments when they're sleeping, when you're envisioning them at their absolute best, when you know they're really good with animals or they're really lovely with their grandparents, close your eyes and see them like that. Ground yourself and remind yourself that your child is not awful all the time. They are not. Um, one of the things I like to do is have what's called an accomplishment book. So see if you can get a little, little blank notebook and just write down um, a couple times a day, just oh, how kind my child was and oh, they did that and that was really nice and then share it with them at bedtime. Uh, there'll be more about this in the parenting course, but that's a lovely way to not only help your child say, oh, I wasn't bad all day, but to help your brain actually tag and log when your child is actually being kind or loving or appropriate. Um, so this is not easy business parenting. It is the toughest job you will ever do, um, but it's the most important job that you will ever do. And when you have a child with big, big feelings like this, it is your job to love them fiercely with ruthless compassion through this to help them be the very best version of themselves. Hi, I'm Barrett Caleri from Connected Parenting. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. And don't forget to check us out on the web at connectedparenting.com and like us and follow us on Facebook.